Blog Talk Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Own Your Awkward podcast. I'm your host, Andy Vargo, and today we have the founder and CEO of Transcription Outsourcing, LLC, from Denver, Colorado, Ben Walker. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Andy. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for coming on. I'm, I'm so glad to have you, uh, have you on the show. It's, it's amazing to meet new people through the connections that we can find through LinkedIn and, and online networking. Um, so, Ben, in a minute, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you what's that awkward thing you've had to get over in life. Uh, but before we get there, why don't you uh, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your company and what you have going on? Yeah, thanks, Andy. Uh, transcription Outsourcing is a full-service transcription company with clients all over the United States. and We have clients in law enforcement, industry, legal industry, uh, the medical and healthcare industry, some financial clients, and then some universities, and then random things like authors or journalists will send us audio or some video that they need transcribed. It's all over the place. If you can record it, we can type it. Okay. So so basically, anytime somebody has anything that they need to get in writing, but they have an audio or a video, you guys make that magic happen. And we actually use humans to do it. We don't use any artificial intelligence uh, because we guarantee 99% accuracy. And humans are still better than the machines at this point, getting things like homonyms and sound alikes correct, whereas the, the computer will miss quite a few of those. And words that sound similar, the computer will miss. We don't have time to edit. edit. Editing voice recognition actually takes us longer than it does if we were to straight type it. So that's why we still use people. Really? Well, that's, that's, so, that's, that's a relief to hear because you hear about so much AI technology where that's the way the world's heading. And, and you'd, you know, it used to be we'd be worried about assembly lines and robots taking over jobs, and now it's this AI technology. And that's, that's, that's a a relief to hear that there is actually, there are things where the humans are more efficient and, and companies recognize that. Yeah. And I'm obviously I'm biased. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a resume and I'm not sure I want to put one together right now. Um, if the mm-hmm. machines do take over, fortunately they haven't gotten that far yet. We've tested it and we've had some of our clients test our transcripts up against, you know, the beta versions that Google has out and Microsoft, uh, Amazon has something now. Uh, yeah, there's quite a few of them out there. And at this, they're still trying to teach their machines. So they need as much data as possible so they can continue to get smarter. The problem is people don't always speak the same every time. And the machine oh, algorithms sure. are built kind of on inferences right now. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that everybody can relate, especially now nowadays, everyone can relate to what you deal with if you were trying to to use an automation because we all have those frustrations with our voice to text on our phone. Yeah, and it's almost always the same service that we're up against. Um, Apple yeah. used to be Siri. 
or it is Siri, was run by Nuance, but now Apple has their own, and Microsoft obviously has their own, and Google has their own. So, yes, it's mm-hmm. more than likely the same service. So how did you get into this business of, you know, how did that strike your fancy to, to transcribe products for people? Uh, it was coincidence. I was at dinner uh, 12 years ago with my parents in Omaha and a friend of theirs was starting a medical transcription company. And at that time I was trying to get a job in the healthcare industry and I couldn't get one because I didn't have any experience. So no one would hire me. And mm-hmm. when they said this guy was starting a medical transcription company, I immediately said, I want in, I will do sales or do whatever. I just want in. Sure. And they made the call. I met with a guy at um, DIA when he was coming through Denver on uh, from an international trip. He had like a four-hour layover. He came outside. We had coffee at one of the coffee places in Denver's airport. And then two months later, I think we were signing contracts and writing checks to get the company started. Nice. It's just a matter of sometimes it's just a matter of keeping your ears open for those opportunities because you never know where they're going to come from, even dinner with your parents, you know? Yeah. Which normal, you know, 30 year olds don't like doing, um, (laughs) right. (laughs) You know, it's you and your parents and you don't have a job because you don't like your job and they're pressing me to get a job. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, it was, it was, yeah fortuitous and now transcription outsourcing is an offshoot of that company so i broke away from them two and a half years in and started transcription outsourcing um go ahead oh no so so what are the type when when you say anything that could be on audio and and you talk about having medical and i can picture the doctor talking in his report into a recording or law enforcement uh are they taking – does your transcription become, the, for example, the police report or the file for a medical file? Yes. So when we're doing law enforcement transcription for, say, the Washington State Patrol, it will be an interview with a witness, and we will transcribe it. It will then become part of the file. If it is prosecuted, it will be given to the district attorney that will make it part of evidence and turn it in to a judge and okay. present it in court. So that that's very important then that you are extremely accurate. I know you said that you have a 99.9% accuracy, but we're talking about correct, you know, medical diagnosis, correct testimony, someone's life could be in the balance. That's pretty critical that you, you have a good system going. Oh yeah, you're exactly right. It has to be as accurate as possible because of the consequences involved. And again, that's why we use humans because a judge could throw something out. A verdict could be handed down incorrectly. Uh, A search warrant could be served on the wrong address. You know, right. We we do search warrants quite a bit and we don't want that to happen. First of all, because someone could get hurt and then we could get in trouble and lose our, company um and then people lose jobs and we don't want that mm-hmm. uh, right and the bad guy could get away exactly 
yeah, that's, that's amazing. And I, so do you, do you handle, do you like, does everything get sent to Denver and you do all the work there? Do you have locations around the world or is this, is this work people can do remote? How does that side of it work? Yeah. Most of our people are independent contractors scattered all over the U S working from home. So okay. the work the we have some, we have a few online portals that are secure. They're HIPAA compliant, CGIS compliant, and CGIS is criminal justice information systems for our law enforcement clients. Okay. Um, it comes through us and we, we bring it in and look at it and say, okay, this work for the Seattle PD needs to be done by Friday. We find the right independent contractors that we've trained to do the Seattle PD's work. We then contact them, let them know their work's available. They say they'll take it. They transcribe it, send it back. They send us any notes they might have asking us to double check certain spots for uh, indecipherables or bad audio and we check it oh, and sure. it's right and then send it to the client. Because sometimes we'll get uh, people with heavy southern accents or maybe from India or you know Scotland and they're, they yeah they speak English but it's heavily accented so we'll have more than one person QA it. Oh so yeah so you have a double check on it. And and I was even thinking as you were talking about for example something happening in with the Seattle Police Department around here and some of the the names of the cities are names that when you hear them pronounced you wouldn't have a clue how to spell so you would need a little bit of local recognition or understanding for that or and even people's personal names I imagine there's some double checking there yeah so you know we work with the Arkansas State Police on a daily basis year-round and we have a couple hundred names in our profile for the Arkansas State Police. Then we add in the names of the cities, you know, uh, major roads, rivers, uh, monuments that come up a lot that might have Native American spelling or French or something in it that, you know, wouldn't be normal for someone transcribing from home in California. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you think about whatever region you live in, you have names, you know, with, like you say, there might be a lot of French in Louisiana or, you know, you know, Spanish words in, in Southern California versus up here, we have a lot of Indian names and completely different in each region. Yeah, exactly. And when we train our people, we usually try to keep them in the same part of the world too, or, or part of the mm-hmm. country. So our guys that trans our guys and ladies that transcribe for our clients in Washington usually only do Washington because of mm-hmm. the spelling. Sure. No, that makes sense. And it's it's amazing how much of a database you have to keep track of just as you're explaining all the names you have for Arkansas alone. That, that's a, a lot of information. It is. And the people that work with us and for us as independent contractors and W-2 employees are all perfectionists uh-huh. and extremely intelligent can't have someone who isn't you know well read or well educated because they'll miss things that people who have a lot of experience and education and are well read they don't miss because they've seen it before right yeah even even like you say those homonyms things where 
you might be listening to it and you might write the wrong word down, but if you spell it wrong, it changes the meaning of the sentence. Yeah, you're exactly right. So, so Ben, I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot here and uh, you could say whatever you want, but you're obviously you're doing well. You've, you've had that awkward dinner with your parents and you, you've got that job and then pulled a company together out of it. And, you know, several years later, things are going really well. What's something awkward you've had to deal with or get over in order to get to where you are today? Uh, being the center of attention, uh-huh. it was never, it was never, you know, I, I was a lot when I was a kid because I was naive and immature. Um, I got in quite a bit of trouble in grade school and high school, you know, being the funny guy and, you know, just getting in trouble. But when I got older, I didn't want it to be about me. I wanted it to be about the company, Transcription Outsourcing. And it took uh-huh. my third public relations company to kind of force me out of that and become more of the face of the company, even though I had, I still don't like it that much. Um, right. But for now, that's the way it is. <laughs> so, yeah. so that, that happened with your third company. Is that because the first two were not getting what you needed or they were, they weren't pushing you enough to be the center of attention? Yeah, it was them not pushing enough and me not realizing they were right. Okay, um, be- gotcha. Because they both told me that I needed to become the face of the company and get my face out there, start giving presentations, start doing interviews, start guest authoring, you know, doing all those things. And I said, no, I don't want it to be about me because it's not about me. I'm not. I don't even do any transcription. I'm. I want right. to be the guy delegating. And, you know, behind the scenes, but that's not how it works when you're a small company. Yeah, exactly. And people, people like to buy and do business with people. And so there is that whole side of it that I could, I could understand that if you're not putting your, your face out there, they don't want to do business with an LLC. They want to do business with Ben Walker. It took me a while to figure that out, but yes, you're right. (laughs) And it sounds like you, the, the last company was just brave enough to push their client and say, hey, if, if we're going to work for you, this is this is what you need to do. So how did, how did that happened. feel? It, um, I mean, it felt pretty awkward at first. I was very hesitant and nervous. I didn't know mm-hmm. how people would. I, I think I was probably worried about how people would judge me. Um because now I'm writing articles that have my name that may not jive with someone else's opinions or ideas. Oh, sure. I didn't want backlash from that. Um, mm-hmm. Or people giving you the hard time about, oh, you think you're famous now. Oh, you're Mr. Important. <laughs> you know, I, people do say that to me. And I'm like, what are you talking right. about? Just, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's good of our friends to kind of razz us and keep us in check, but but it can, if, if it's something that you're already sensitive about, it can really undermine your ability to perform well in that area. Yeah, because you get worried about what not to say and what not to wear and, you know, places to go mm-hmm. and people to be seen with. I, I get nervous when people are taking pictures, when, you know, you're out at dinner and I'm like, oh, there's glasses of wine in this picture. I don't want that on Twitter or Facebook. Oh, yeah, <laughs> right. 
Yeah, he, <laughs> he's trying to maintain the, the professional image, and you don't want it to look like you're just out partying all the time. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I can relate to that for sure. So do you remember the first thing that you did where they pushed you to be in the center of attention? Was it an article or a, an interview? It was a quote in an article on Entrepreneur Magazine. Okay. So we, so definitely, I had done guest authoring before, but not. they were really gen, generic and general in nature, and it wasn't very personal. Okay. And, so, and now in Entrepreneur Magazine, that's definitely got some visibility. And with your name on it, there's no hiding behind it. <laughs> yes. And then a Forbes article that was written about me. Um, that was kind of eye-opening, and I didn't know what to expect. I was, oh, my God, I probably sweat <laughs> 10 pounds of sweat that day. Well, uh, was along that process, you have nerves in different stages where leading up to the interview, that time between when the interview is finished and getting ready to be published and you don't see it yet, and then when it's out there, what, what do you think was the most – nerve-wracking piece of that for you if i said the right thing and if i sounded stupid okay sure so did that did it get worse after that was out in the public or were your feelings reinforced or did did for some of it relieved did you feel better it was relief once i got feedback from people i knew uh, okay. Said, "Whoa, that was great!" And I, and I'm, well, of course, I read it with a very critical eye, and I was like, "Man, I could have said this better. I should have said this. Oh, why did I say that?" Um, right. Yeah. And isn't that amazing how how much we are afraid of the criticism from the people around us, but then at the same time, they are the ones who can be the most supportive. Yeah, and it was the exact opposite of what I thought would happen. It was what you just said. They were extremely supportive and and uh, complimentary. I can't tell you how many texts I got, emails, messages through Facebook. Yeah, it was uh, it was a relief for sure. Yeah. So did that make it then easier to to do the next thing that put you in the spotlight? Yes, much easier. I realized it Good. didn't have to be perfect. Mhm. Yeah, I think that that's a big thing. Going back to your point about people want to do business with other people, they also want to do business with real people and not robots. So oh, yeah, I had an old boss that got really mad at me for the way I spoke to people on the phone um, when I was doing mortgages for. Um, residential real estate mm-hmm. he thought I was too casual and too cavalier and a gentleman had called in and he needed a multi-million dollar loan for a house and I spoke to him like you and I are speaking like a friend and I may have been you know a little casual with my language you know mm-hmm. um, I didn't think anything of it I hung up he was around the corner in the hallway over hearing everything and came in and kind of gave it to me and said, you are impolite. You need to speak to people. Yes, sir. No, sir. You know, very regimented. 
And I started doing that, and then I, my sales started to decline. And I didn't realize it for a couple of years that I had become like a robot and was talking to everyone the same. I didn't get personal with anybody. I didn't know that guy's, you know, kid's soccer game was that night, and he needed to go. But before that, I, I was personal, and I did know those things about people. He changed me because I got so nervous that I was going to get fired. I did what he told me to, and then I realized that was the wrong thing to do. Yeah, that, that's such that's such a keen observation because I think way too often we let other people change us to try to fit into what we think we need to do for success, and yet you experience firsthand where that actually hurt your success. Yeah, I tell the people that answer the phone in our offices um, to not do that. You need mm-hmm. to get to know these people. You know, we need to know the records people in the Loveland Police Department. We need to know the investigators at the Denver Police Department. We need to know their first names, not just Investigator Smith. You know, what's his first sure. name or her first name? Because mm-hmm. then they come back and then they become familiar and it's easy and, you know, they're not going to leave because they like us. Right. And they know us. And, and that's exactly. And I, I, I have this saying that I, that I say, talk about where, you know, true loyalty stems from comes out of likability if people don't like you they can be loyal because they owe you money they can be loyal because you're their boss but if they really like you that's when they're not going to go somewhere else no matter what happens yeah we had a phone uh, a conference call earlier this week with a client in la and the last project we did for them was in september so two months ago and we were we turned it in late so we had to give them a massive discount and some free because it was late. And I don't like making excuses, so we don't even make excuses when we tell them. We say, you know, we're sorry, this is late, mm-hmm. we're giving you 50% off or whatever it is. On the phone call with them earlier this week, they had emailed us the night before and said, hey, we need to have a call before we submit this next project. It's enormous, and we want to make sure everything goes smoothly. So I thought we were going to get, you know, kind of scolded and told, you know, don't mm-hmm. do this again or we're leaving. The conference call was, we like you guys so much. When's the next time we're going to go to a baseball game and go to dinner together? <laughs> because the last time I saw them, we had so much fun, went to a baseball game, went out to dinner, did all this fun stuff. They've forgotten that we were late. Like they right. said, we love you guys. We love working with you. When are we going to dinner again? Yeah, I thought, and I was. And here you are, ready for the worst. (laughs) Yeah, right. And and you know that's the that's the beauty of relationships. Yeah, it's you're always investing in the relationship, so that when you do have to, you know, pull something out or you have, you know, negative experiences, those are those withdrawals, and if you have had enough, you know, income built up into the relationship, then it's not as big of a hit. Yeah, it took a while to figure that. Like I said, it took me two or three or four years to figure that out. But once I figured it out, I went back to normal, which was, you know, be friendly and nice to these people. And if they like you, they'll continue doing business with you. Well, and look where it's got you. It's definitely, definitely being yourself is working out. That's for sure. Yeah, I, yeah. It's you know we're not doing anything special. Um, it, just being friendly and nice. Mhm. So what are the uh, what are the obviously law enforcement, you know, people who use transcription services 
would know that they would need to, but um, are there things outside of general law enforcement or medical where that would be kind of a, a, a light bulb moment for companies where they might want to use you? Um, law firms and attorneys that conduct a lot of depositions, uh, a lot of times think, think they need to use court reporters. Um, and okay. they don't, if it's recorded and they, they want to transcript, you know, six months down the road, they don't have to go back to that court reporter because court reporters are really expensive. Uh, okay. Yeah. They, attorneys, the, the ones that don't know that we can do what they're having done already by a court reporter or a okay. stenographer. Sure. That's, uh, that's good to know. And all of your information is in all of Ben's information for everybody who's listening is in the description. You can find him on LinkedIn or Twitter or his website, transcriptionoutsourcing.net and uh, look him up, check him out. There's lots of good stuff there. And uh, uh, I go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say another one would be uh, video transcription. So a lot of people think YouTube does, you know, in YouTube does have the automated system through Google. It's not very accurate. So there are options out there that are affordable. We just did a hundred YouTube videos for a client in North Carolina. He was blown away. He's like, we didn't have to edit anything. <laughs> oh, that's, yeah, that's really good to know. Cause there's a lot of people out there. And, and I, you kind of chuckle when you see these YouTube videos and the audio is, you can tell it's automated because it's just so they, they didn't edit anything and the words are so far off that, you know, you feel for people who are trying to watch it, who actually don't have the ability to listen because they're, some of the things are so far off. You wouldn't know what they were saying. <laughs> yeah. So, and these are YouTube videos he uses for his company. So they have to be accurate. Oh, for, yeah, for training and such. Yeah, that makes sense. So we are down to just a couple minutes here, but um, what's some a last quote or words of wisdom you'd like to leave with our listeners today? Oh, that's a tough one. There are so many. <laughs> we, I, I, I can't claim to be perfect on this. I did figure it out. I usually learn things the hard way, but Evolving and adapting, you've got to be willing to go a little bit outside your original business plan. We were set up as a medical transcription company only, and when technology changed in the healthcare industry and doctors point and click now and use voice recognition, we were losing medical clients left and right. And at the same time, we were getting calls from law firms and law enforcement agencies asking us to transcribe interviews for them. And we would tell them no. And then I did a little research and realized that there are huge opportunities in those areas. We started digging into it. And then we found out that there are a lot of opportunities that weren't, you know, on our radar when we started, we were so focused on medical transcription that, yeah. Be willing to no, yeah, try other things out. That's that's a really good point because I think when we build our business plan, we set a roadmap for ourselves and sometimes put blinders on to sometimes bigger opportunities because they're not coming from the avenues we expected. And you never know where those could take you. 
yeah, I don't advocate a jack of all trades type mentality because that's not good either. Sure. Uh, but yeah, it, you're right. You get that roadmap in your head because this is what we have on the plan and this is what we turned in in the nice three ring binder. But that's not always. Yeah, you don't want to limit yourself to what's in the three ring binder. Right, for sure. Well, Ben, I so appreciate you being on today. Uh, everybody listening, be sure to go check out uh, Ben's information and connect with him on LinkedIn. Follow him on Twitter and start getting those things uh, transcribed accurately for your teams and, and for yourself so that you don't have any issues later. Um, thanks so much, Ben. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Andy. This was fun. Yeah, thank you. You have a great day. Take care, everyone. You too.